Hi, friends. Hi, friends. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I can finally say this for the first time since we recorded this podcast. I have a like actual break from school. That's so exciting. What a great episode too uh, to celebrate that. Everybody welcome to You Have to Read This Book podcast. I'm Peyton. I'm Bailey. My pronouns are she, her. Mine are she, her. And we're so happy that you're here. We have a very exciting episode to, um, today. It's going to be a special episode in honor of my birthday. So it's coming out on my birthday. And also birthday, we got a um, a special galley of a book that comes out on my birthday also. Um, it will be June 1st when this episode is released. And that's when this book comes out. And um, we're very grateful to the publishers for letting us do this. Definitely. Thank you so much to the publisher for allowing us to read this book. It's Macmillan, right? I think it's Wednesday book, specifically the imprint. Perfect. Thank you. Um, it was it was my first net galley arc. Um, I have read one other arc before, but this was kind of fun for me to get to do this. Yeah. And so it, it, I literally emailed the publisher and was like, it's my birthday. We want to do a special birthday episode. I really want to read this book, blah, blah, blah. And they, they were like, sure. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, it's a great way to celebrate your birthday too. I love it. Bailey Mm -hmm. pointed out before we started recording that she will be the same age I was when we met. Um, So I'm welcoming her to adulthood officially. Yeah, because she literally like called me a child when we met, even though she was only two years older than me. I think there's a huge age difference between 23 and 25. I'm sorry. I will stand by that for the rest of the I actually was 22 even. So I guess three years. Yeah. Yeah, I was 22 when we met. Huge age difference. And just turned 22, honestly. Yeah. And you just graduated college. You had these big rose colored glasses on. You were like, I want to change the world. And I was like, honey, I've been through it. I haven't yet, but. Enough. I also had rose gold glasses. You did. They were so (laughs) cute. Thank you. I actually ordered um, that same pair in like my new prescription. So I have them again now. I need Um, new But yeah, I'm turning 25, like she said, in two days. I'm spending my birthday in the Hamptons with my girlfriend. So um, life really can't get much better than that right now. Oh, and I have an internship and I start that this week. I'm a little nervous about it, but um, it's a really good placement. And I feel like a lot of people are like Ivy League. I've looked and it seems like a lot of people who have this internship like come from really good schools. And not that mine is bad, but like there's just a lot. There's a difference. And I feel like the imposter syndrome is going to be real, but I need to get over it because I got it just the same that they did. And you deserve to be there. And you have um, a leg up, I think, because you have an understanding of the finance world in general. So I think that's going to be uh, really interesting and, and helpful for you. For sure. I feel like my licenses, um, I like had brokerage licenses. Tal, Pate, and I met at the job that we used to have um, together. And I feel like those licenses probably got me the internship, to be honest probably helped I mean there's nothing wrong with that that's awesome yeah yeah so what about you anything exciting I just got back from a two week two and a, one and a half week trip to Washington DC it was my first real time getting to go and I had such a great time I was with my husband and my in-laws um and we went to Gettysburg and Mount Vernon and we spent like a week in actual DC 
Um, I have some really great bookstagram friends give me some really excellent recommendations. I visited some local bookstores. Did you go to the one that um, Katie recommended to you? I didn't. Um, I really, really wanted to, but the day after she recommended it, when I was going to walk there, I tripped and rolled my ankle. Um, and so I didn't do a whole lot of walking that day. And then the next couple of days were like booked with what we had planned to do. But I now I know where I'll go when we go back. So it was really fun. I learned a lot. Uh, we saw Marine One and there were three helicopters. So I'm convinced that we saw um, the president. So that's my claim to fame from the trip. Wow, so exciting. I, um, Katie's from DC, my girlfriend, and I like really want to go there and go to all the museums. I'm so jealous that you did all that. And, you know, she growing up there, I feel like isn't as excited by them anymore, but um, I feel like she'll go with me and it will be so fun. What was really cool about it was we went like the week DC kind of started opening back up. So when we got there, there was no one there. Um, our hotel was only at like 25% capacity um, of rooms being booked and um, like the way you had to get a ticket to like even the Smithsonian's was you had to get you had to they were free but you had to buy a ticket you had to reserve your space and so you basically had these museums to yourself like we went to the Holocaust Museum first and there was no one else in that museum with us for the first like 45 minutes we were there it was wow. incredible um it really felt like we were on a private tour so like you know silver lining of the pandemic you can travel and see things in a way that I doubt I'll be able to ever see DC like that again that's how I went to the Met when I first moved to New York like in August and there was no one there so I felt the same I went again in like January maybe and there were a lot more people there then but at least like the first time I went in August was like so empty and that was so cool so I definitely feel that of like having museums to yourself is the yeah, best it was awesome well I'm so happy that you had a good trip um fun fact I went home to where Peyton and I both lit well where we I used to each live. Other. and we missed each other literally like the exact days yeah you flew in the day I left and then you flew out the day I got back so sad it was won't be home till September when I come home for my cousin's wedding shout out Lindsay I think you listen hello <laughs> hi Lindsay thanks for listening um yeah I, I should be here in September I just need to come to New York that's what needs to happen yeah you absolutely do you gotta come um hang out with your newly minted adult friend yeah that's right I can show you the adult ropes <laughs> You can, uh, I assume that you will think I'm less insufferable. Uh, I haven't thought you were insufferable in a very long time, so. Oh, good. I, <laughs> that's definitely a backhanded compliment, but still good. Uh, all right, so we have some questions. Um, I really want to hear your answer because it sounded like you knew what this one was right away when you came up with it. What is one article of clothing that someone could wear that would make you walk out on the, on a first date with them, walk out on a first date with them? Yes, this answer came pretty immediately to my head and I will say it applies to both men and women. Um, you know, like the cut, also I'm pretty sure you have one of these. Probably. You know, like shirts, like t-shirts that are cut off at the like, um, like yeah. arm so cut off shirts. and they like droop really low because of where you cut them out yeah. um those are really 
the most. I would never wear those to a date. I wear those to the gym. But I've still seen you wear one. So sorry about that. But they're the most unattractive pieces of clothing to exist. They're not attractive for sure. Um, I did not cut the sleeves off of mine. I bought them that way at the Adidas tent sale, if that makes it any better. Um, but I agree. I think like it's almost worse, but <laughs> they were cheap. Um, if I walked in and somebody was wearing that, I would not be happy for a first date for that, for sure. For me, it's more about like, I mean, they are ugly, but it's also just about like the effort yeah. and like the pride that you should take in your appearance and like sure. I get that um mine is uh flat bills I that just, also can work for both men and women yeah 100 I just dated a guy that was just a douche and he wore um flat bills everywhere um and like was really concerned about the sticker staying on the bill you know what I mean like and so now I just have a bad like feeling around them I guess like I don't you can wear one that's fine but I probably wouldn't be very happy if I showed up to a date and had one on just red flags right away yeah I feel that and um okay well the second question is so fun too um I always pick the fun questions if I do say so myself I also pick most of the questions in general yeah um okay you have to sing karaoke obviously what what song do you pick Oh, don't be mad at me. I'm going to Tokyo Kitty for the first time. Uh. <laughs> okay, that's a karaoke bar in Cincinnati that I have tried to take pain to many times. Um, I am so sorry. It's for um, Kate's birthday. Or- Even worse, I'd gone for my birthday and she wouldn't come. Your birthday was on my anniversary. You were going out on my anniversary. Sorry that I could not be there for that. Um, my birthday comes over your wedding anniversary that's just how it is well okay I don't know if Mike agrees with that um okay so if I had to sing a karaoke song goodbye Earl 100% oh my god that's mine so we have to sing it together sometime all right we can do that yeah goodbye Um, all by the Dixie Chicks that is my number one too Um, the last time I sang a karaoke song I sang Lizzo though hmm, it's good yeah um I feel like well, now that you took mine, I feel like I should come up with the second choice. No, because that's just how good it is. Just reaffirm my answer. Okay, well, yes. But also, I would say my second choice is Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. That's an excellent one. I'd sing that one with you, too. Thank you. You're welcome. I have excellent taste in karaoke, even if um, I have um, the opposite of excellent pitch and tone. I just need to go off topic for, like, one second. You said Avril Lavigne, and that made me think of this conspiracy theory. Oh, I know. Well, so there's hers, and then there's the Lady Gaga conspiracy, and then would she know about that one, right? So she, there's a conspiracy theory out there that Lady Gaga used to be a backup dancer, backup singer, vocalist for another, like, up-and-coming, like, pop star, and she was like thrown off of her balcony and people are saying Lady Gaga did it. And then she took her spot. Look that one up. It's crazy. Um, but then I just learned, and I probably butchered it. So if anybody out there wants to correct me, please do. But then I just learned this week that there is one, there's a conspiracy theory that Paul Cartney from the Beatles is dead and that he died like right before their acid albums 
and that they did this like huge um, Paul McCartney lookalike contest to help like find one to take his place um, so that like the Beatlemania didn't have to stop and to save fans the like trauma of having lost Paul McCartney. And that's why they're all on acid for the next couple of albums and also to like disguise the fact that this new guy can't sing and all of their album artwork. There's like a bunch of songs that give clues about how Paul is actually dead. And there's a cover album for their art that shows like his funeral and everybody that they would invite if they were able to have an actual funeral. And then like, if you listen to their albums backwards, they say really scary cryptic messages about Paul. Okay, that's the most ridiculous conspiracy theory I've ever heard. I love it. Um, I don't... Oh, like he's played at the Grammys and like you, you can tell he's like not lip singing because he's like old and you can tell that his voice is older like and he's well, good maybe but... he's since been given music lessons to learn how to sing I don't know I'm unconvinced it was I had never heard it before and when I it was on TikTok and I was like oh my god I believe I'll send you the TikTok about it because I loved it I would just like to say that you sound very Gen Z right now. So you have literally no room to ever make fun of me about like Gen Z things. Because I'm talking about TikTok? Yes. Millennials took over TikTok a long time ago. Um, Like at the beginning of the pandemic. We all got on it as a joke. We were like, (laughs) I'm ironically on TikTok right now. And now we're on TikTok all the time. They joined, but they didn't take it over. Okay. Whatever you say to make yourself feel better. (laughs) Okay. Well, should we talk about the book that we read? We should. Do you want to kick us off and let everybody know what it is in the synopsis? Absolutely. So we, this uh, week, we, we didn't even announce this on the Instagram. No, but we did on the last podcast. Okay. Well, we read Trouble Girls by Julia Lynn Rubin. It is a queer YA reimagining of Thelma and Louise with the aesthetic of Riverdale. Um, a quick uh, synopsis when Trixie picks up her best friend Lux for their weekend getaway they are looking to forget the despair of being trapped in their dead-end rust belt town the girls are packing light a supply of diet coke and an 89 cannon to help Lux frame the world in a sunnier light half a pack of cigarettes that Trixie doesn't really smoke and a knife that she's hanging on to for a friend that she's never used before you want to take over uh, but a single night of violence derails their trip And the girls go from ordinary high schoolers to wanted fugitives. Trying to stay ahead of the cops and a hellscape of media attention, Trixie and Lux grapple with an unforgiving landscape, rapidly diminishing supplies and disastrous decisions at every turn. As they are transformed by the media into the face of a Me Too movement they didn't want to lead, Trixie and Lux realize they can only rely on each other and that the love they find together is the one thing that truly makes them free. Yeah, that's, I would say, a pretty good, um, pretty good publisher, so I just um, and yeah, just again, thank you to, um, Wednesday, I'm like, actually, now, let me make sure it actually is Wednesday, but we do um, our homework, we promise, just not, we're not super thorough, All yeah, <laughs> like my favorite murder in that um, regard. but it is with film for sure, and, um, the book, like I said, comes out on June 1st, and thank you so much to the publisher, which I am double checking right now, but we really appreciate you giving this to us. And also like, I feel so cool and official that we got a book. It is Wednesday books. Go meet Good job. Proud of you for, for that. I feel so cool and official that we like got a book early. Like 
well, like, for real, sure. Real, real podcasters now. <laughs> when you when you said, Peyton, let's do a book podcast, I was like, okay, I never, ever, ever thought that one, we would have like guests of legit other podcasters, like great young things in the books to gaze on. Um, and I two, I never thought we'd have an arc. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're official now, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, okay. So this is going to be an interesting discussion because Peyton and I have different views on this book, I believe. Let's yeah. start with star ratings. I actually haven't thought about this in advance. So you go first. Two stars. I think I'm going to do 3.25. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I've i had to think about this book a lot, so I'm like really excited to unpack it with you. I think talking about books with people that don't like automatically agree with you helps you either like strengthen your convictions and oh yeah, no, I definitely didn't like that. You did. Or, you know, helps you go, okay, I can see why maybe somebody else would like that or I can see that in a different light now and it's a little better or whatever. So I'm excited to have that conversation. Um, but my two stars is less even about like the content that I didn't like, but also about how it's written. Um, and that it's like, I can't even say it's character or plot driven. It's just kind of a list of things that happen. Um, so that's really where my rating comes from. My mind's the, I feel like the lowest, the what lowered mine, I think the most is plot because I think it was overall really slow. Um, yeah, but, happened. They just ran away and some stuff happened and that's like it. It was weird. I think plot is like what lowers mine, but not characters I, I would think that's um, fair but I also wouldn't say that I have a favorite character no one in this book particularly is like really that exciting to me but I think it's supposed to be that way yeah I mean you and I were talking about this and you made a good point that like nobody likes 17 year olds it's not true I love 17 year olds and I was 17 so maybe 17 year olds that read this book are really gonna like them um but yeah, I didn't, there was not anybody that really stood out. I guess Judy is the only one that's likable and she's not really even a character in the book. Yeah, this book is also very much, like they definitely exist in their own little world. Like there are not many characters. No, and the way the characters like enter their orbit We'll, we'll talk about this later, but it was interesting to like see as they're charting their course from West Virginia um, to wherever they want to end up. Like first it's Austin and then it's Santa Fe and then it's California and maybe Canada, like wherever they're going to go, these, these other people enter their orbit and somehow impact them in some way, whether it's good or not at all or bad. Um, and then they just kind of go away and there's no real lasting impact like for how they're introduced. I almost feel like the writer was like, the author was like, I just need to bring somebody else in. Otherwise people are going to get bored just talking to Trixie and Lux the whole time. Yeah, but I definitely think this book, at least the characters, I think it's a little bit more intentional than maybe you realize at the beginning or like, I think it's a bit more intentional than maybe you think, but Tell me more. Um, well, we can talk about this more later. I think okay. next we should go on to the writing style because 
I think you said that you had, I, when I started this book, had some issues with that because I generally books that are like very inside someone's head, whether they're sharing of consciousness, which we all know I hate, or even just like this, where it's like still very, very from a perspective that's like so in someone's head that it's like not a normal book. You know what I mean? Yeah, this was very much, we were, we were in Trixie's innermost thoughts. Um, and that can be very hit or miss for me. Yeah. Uh, but like, I always talk about the book Catherine House, which I think could be maybe can like comparable to this in a way. Yeah, I definitely and see that. I hated the writing style for that book, but this one, it grew on me a bit. I definitely wouldn't say it's like my favorite, but um, I would say it, it got a lot better from what I thought at the beginning. Once you got used to her Trixie-isms, I think. Yeah, so Catherine House was more stream of consciousness than this was. Um, this was, my issue was with how repetitive it was. Like, I really wanted to go back. I didn't do it. But I was really tempted to go back and count how many times um, Ruben, is her last name Ruben? Am I saying that right? Yeah. Ruben used the word haboob, or however you say that, in that chapter about the dust storm. I was like... You do not have to tell me every other paragraph that there is a giant fucking dust storm raging outside of this house. Like, okay, but if you were 17, you would want to use every chance that you could to use the word haboob, just saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but but Julia, Julia Rubin is not 17. Um, she's not a 17 year old. She's an adult with an MFA. And so I expect a higher level of writing from that, especially she's not writing when- for you for a 25 year old with an MFA. She's, I mean, whatever. She's writing for the 17-year-old readers who are angsty and want to use the word haboob. <laughs> I guess, but it's not even just, I mean, it's just that she repeats things all the time. Like, you're, we're constant, like, if, if Lux is about to cry, we hear that Lux is, we, we are told that Lux is about to cry 15 times in one scene. And it's really repetitive. And I just feel like this book, which was like 550 pages on my phone, could have been a lot shorter um, if a lot of that repetitiveness hadn't been taken out. And the the, the critics, the, the other people that had reviewed this book and put it out there, call it beautiful writing style. And it's, the aesthetic is not beautiful. You can call it something like grungy because it's very grungy. If that's what she's going for, she's dead and on. Angsty, yeah. And angsty. And so if you're 17, like I get, I would love that. I feel um, like this book is good for fans of Olivia Rodrigo's new song, Good For You and Brutal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I, like my true problem with the writing style, and I, I used Habuba as like an example, but it, because that word was so weird. And I was like, I don't, do you even use that word for Arizona? I had to look it up. Um, but she, it happens often where she's repeating things that are happening that don't need to be repeated because you just told me a paragraph ago. You don't need to tell me again. And it was a lot more telling than showing, um, which was frustrating for me too, but that's just me. I agree with the telling, um, and not showing thing. And I agree with their actions being repeated too much. Like they talk about siphoning gas like a thousand times. And oh my God, right? Like things like, and like how they have to start the car with the wires or whatever. Like things like those kind of details are, I feel like repeated too many times. The number of times that Lex has to like work her magic to get a hotel room. Like, I'm like, oh my, oh my God. 
I get it. And, and I don't get to see any of that happen. I don't get to see what Lux is doing or like feel how awful it is to siphon gas with like a, a straw. Is that what they're using? Or like how difficult it is to wire a car. I just, I'm told that it's diff in a thousand ways. Sorry. No, it's fine. But I was going to say, I do at least the repetitiveness of Lux's thought process. Trixis. I feel like what? Trixis thought Sorry, thought process. And even both of their actions. Well, because number one, they're like exist in this vacuum where they're doing the same thing every day. So there's, I mean, if you want to be realistic with what their life is like in this book, it actually makes sense that they're doing the same thing every day. Sure. Um, and so like making it everything so crazy, exciting, different every day would just be unrealistic. And number two, also, I think for teenagers in their situation, they're definitely like, they fixate on things, which like, is I feel like normal for teenagers and just like her thought process still, it does feel realistic to me for a teenager. Gosh, I don't know. I just feel like I've read a lot more YA books in 2020 and 2021 than I have in a long, long time. And they've been, the teenagers have done stupid things, but it hasn't been so boring to read about. And yeah. it can be repetitive like this should not be a boring book like yes I get it they're in a vacuum driving across country but they're on the run from the police they're doing really dumb crazy things like it should not be boring and there were definite times when it felt like a slog to get through I agree with that about the plot but I disagree with it about the characters like I think for me it's like I think the plot is lacking in that sense, yeah. but not necessarily the characters. Uh, I will give you that for Trixie. I don't think Trixie's boring. I think, I think the characters are flat. I don't. Yeah. We well, that's, that that's also another thing that yeah. I want to talk about later on. But okay, so we we can keep going. This is this is gonna this is gonna be good. Um. Also, well, okay. Well, we can start with what you we can start wherever you want I threw some thoughts on a google doc and we can cover what we get, whatever we want to cover um well we talked about comparing it to they never learn we can start with that okay so this is the second book for this podcast that has this kind of vengeance theme um revenge porn <laughs> yeah yes um, and they never learn and trouble girls they're not the same um, but no, I do not think even close See, but I, the, the, they never learn has a teenage character in it that starts doing dumb, stupid things in that book and then grows into a woman that does dumb, stupid things later on. So that's where I was drawing that comparison, like the revenge porn and the fact that it's these young girls that have something horrible happen to them and have no support system to go back to and like, you know, talk about it and, and have support and, you know, deal with the, with the weight that comes with being a survivor of a sexual assault or witnessing a sexual assault, which I think was the case and they never learn. Um, and so then they go on to make these really stupid, rash decisions throughout their entire lives. And depending on how you decide, how you interpreted this book ended, um, this, you, the, you know, tricks and Lex, this could have been their entire lives here. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, 
but for me, okay, well, I was thinking the difference between like the unlikable, we wanted to start by talking about like unlikable female characters in both books. And if they have like redeemable qualities, um, and if you still want to like root for them, even though they're they're like killers. But for me, this book feels a little bit different from that. I think of unlikable female characters as like fully formed adults. Um, I really differentiate that from teenagers because number one, like most teenagers are unlikable in some forms. Like their decision making is like just not going to be rational because they're teenagers. Like they're supposed to be messy a little bit more than adults, and like. I feel like in for unlikable female characters, for adults, they're normally like they have the capability of making the right decision and doing the right things, and like they just don't. But for teenagers, it's a little bit different, I think, because like you know, you just you don't like have that maturity. You don't think the same way yet. So I I feel like this I like to differentiate them a little bit and think that like Trixie is not like. Scarlet in that respect even like Carly because I feel like there's still a big difference between like 18 19 and 16 17 that like I don't know I don't think that she's as like narrow-minded killer as Scarlet is and I think you disagree because you thought she was a sociopath and I honestly disagree um I wouldn't have classified Trix a killer for like the majority of the book but then like, and you're right, they're teenagers, they're messy. You can see that in how Trix starts behaving and like having regrets towards the end. Um, but the reason that I, that I really didn't like Trix is that she, and who was it that said it? I wrote some quotes down. So like at one point she keeps apologizing and Lux is like, shut up, shut up. You're not making this better. You're not making this easier. You are apologizing to make yourself feel better. And I 100% think that's true. And then there's a point where they're sitting in a, like a diner um, watching a TV um, of her, of Lex's dad and her brother, um, like giving a, like a interview, like Lux, please come home, we'll help you. And her brother looks sad or mad or something. And Trix has these internal thoughts about she says, I, I was so damn selfish. And she's referring to the fact that like when they were home, she was constantly trying to take Lux away from her brother Milo. And so like the fact, and this could be because they're teenagers, but I cannot, I, I can't differentiate this because as a 17 year old, I thought I was an adult. I wanted to be treated like an adult. And by Trix and Lux running away, they're choosing to be treated. They're, that's what they're doing. They're saying, we wanna, we wanna be out of school. We don't wanna be a part of it. We don't want support. We're gonna do this on our own. They are growing up. They're making that decision by running away, I think. And so the fact that she can have like, I was so selfish, but then can't look at what she has like, forced Lux into doing um and 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 not Lux is who had the trauma happen to her in this book and 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 Lux is the one that at the beginning wanted to go to the police and Trixie is the one that freaked out and so that's why they're on the run um and I she just can't see her own selfishness I think that's where I drew the comparisons to they never learn and these characters scarlet and these characters 
you're totally right. It could just be because they're teenagers, but I know if I was 17 listening to this podcast back in God, 2011, um, I would be like, I'm an adult. I'm, why are you telling me I'm happy? You know what I mean? Yeah, me too though. But like, I can say with 100% certainty that while I tried to make myself into an adult and told my parents, even when I was 18, that I could make all these decisions by myself, I totally wasn't an adult, wasn't actually capable of doing that. Like I thought I was, but I wasn't. So you're reading this book about 17 year olds written for 17 year olds as a 25 year old with that film, with that knowledge, with that lens, knowing that teenagers are messy and that they're going to make stupid mistakes and that's okay. And that's part of growing up. And that's why she's not fully formed in her, like her mind, whatever. So, but do you think that other people reading this book are going to feel that way? Well, I, I do have a caveat to that. I think overall, that's how I see these characters. But I will say, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I can bring it up now. I think for most YA books, it's really important for characters that mess up to learn from their mistakes. And I don't think that that happens here at all. So like, while I think her character makes sense, I don't necessarily think that I think that's how this book should have gone. Okay. Okay. So I like, I, the writing and like how her character is, it didn't take anything away from me, but I also think that it's important, especially for books that are written for teenagers. Like, I don't care if this might be unrealistic. Like, I think most young adult books, they need to have an arc of them learning from their mistakes and like taking responsibility for their actions. And that's just like how coming of age novels traditionally are. And I, this doesn't happen. Trixie has no character development. Lux maybe has a bit where she- In the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's, you know, she's supposed to be a take on a manic pixie dream girl. We all know how you feel about that. Um, um, But but, that was more on Lux than it was on, or on Trixie than it was on Lux. And Lux talks about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, Trixie had no character development. She actually felt less guilty as the book went on. Yeah. Um, she didn't not they didn't take responsibility for their actions they just like basically got to the point where they like got lost in the desert and like couldn't sustain themselves right they like they rejected help that they were offered they continually made the bad decisions and it didn't get better the way I wanted it to although this brings us into the discussion this is kind of like you know do romance books have to have happy endings like do you think young adult books that the teenagers need to like grow up and learn from their actions. I mean, I guess the argument could be like, no, they don't have to, but I think that there's merit in that they do, especially for teenagers that do read this. I am okay with a character not learning from their mistakes if there's a greater message in the book. And I think that this author really heavily relied on every single man in the world being a shithead um, because there was not a single likable male character. Uh, the brother that they met in the yeah. non-gender, the non-binary brother that they met in Kentucky. That's the one, but he wore skirts. So like there was not a single masculine, like gender conforming male that was not a shithead in this book. And I think the author relied heavily on that and relied heavily on the Me Too movement to 
build a message and, and use their actions. Yeah. Which I don't necessarily think that it does. Which, and I don't really think that's the point of the Me Too movement either. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's really you can have righteous anger, but that doesn't mean you have to stab a dude because of it. Right. Like she, and she admits that there are plenty of other actions that she could have taken. Yeah. The, her first, her first decision when she walked into that bathroom was not screaming for help, was not going back to get help, was not pushing him, was literally stabbing him. And she like blacks out when she does it. So I'm also, again, I'm all for a book, a YA book, not having a lesson learned um, from that character, but then there needs to be a greater message. And I didn't see a, a greater message here at all. No, no, I agree. Um, and you know, I honestly, I think if you're, okay, if you're going to write a book, an adult book with teenage characters, because there are some that I've read, there was like one I feel like about a school shooting now that I can't remember where it was like had teenage characters but it was an adult book I think those books it's okay for them not to learn from their mistakes yeah it you know adults reading it can understand it like they don't have to look to this book like you, you know there's just a difference in like your maturity level when you read it right but I think a book like this written for teenage girls I think they should have taking responsibility for their actions yeah like did you see some of the goodreads like of people just adding this book to their to to their like to be read shelf like some of the comments like murdering rapists that's the energy i want in 2021 and i'm like that's not the answer like yes i would like i feel like rapists and sex offenders should get way more like stronger harsher sentences when they do get tried um but I don't believe murder, I felt this way and they never learn. Like, so so you have children, minors that are not fully developed. They're not 25 yet, Bailey, they're not adults. Um, reading this book and and feeling vindicated and like, yeah, mm-hmm. they they got away with it and they were never, they were never sorry and they didn't have to be sorry. And yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think that that should be takeaway from this book but I think it very much is and I think that's harmful for 17 year old girls to read so Mike asked me a question when I was talking about this book he said um do you not like the he said is do you not like these books because I was comparing it to or talking about they never learn and this one and how I haven't liked either of them he said so do you just not like these revenge books or is it that you haven't read a good one yet or are you like against it like ethically like where are you at on that and I think my problem that I can't really answer that yet because I can't say I've read or watched a movie or read a book where it's been well done I think the only one that's out right now that makes me want to watch it that I think could be well done is Promising Young Woman nope absolutely not Okay, good to know. So, so I, so I don't right. know. Actually, sorry, I will say that's not because of the main character's revenge plot is not the issue with that book. Okay. Or with that movie, it is, um, trying not to spoil it, it is like 
just what happens okay is what I hate but it's actually not because of the revenge plot that I don't like it but but so that's like my problem is can this be done tastefully and well where the character that is seeking revenge still feels vindicated but has empathy for what they like and feels bad about what they you know what I mean like about what they did can that even be done okay this is like a very far reach but think about John Tucker must die okay have you seen it I loved it okay so think it's a little different than me too because he's just like a womanizer but it's still a revenge plot movie and they like it's silly but like they definitely do things that like and they all feel sorry in the end and they all feel sorry and they also Uh it's different from killing him like and some of the stuff they do is like not great like they give him like female hormones estrogen yeah Yeah. the estrogen so his 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 pecs hurt yeah that's that's also not a good thing to do like like they probably romanticize that a little bit too much but like you know there's a difference between that and like killing men god even uh mean girls kind of like honestly like they do mean awful things regina george does they like katie does yeah and they but they like they learn from it they grow and they also don't kill people okay you helped me answer my question so that this all just plays into my lower rating i think for me is that because i i need character development in a book and um just never happened yeah it's so hard for me because I start off saying well you know they're teenagers they're messy blah 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 but like I really I'm on this very fine line where I think that I like the characters because of that but I just don't like that they don't grow right that's fair I mean I think you can like a messy character like I think I like them way more than Scarlet I would like to fully put that out there I agree I like them way more than Scarlet um I, at some point in the book, wrote in my notes on my phone that I would rather have read this from Lux's perspective. Um, I feel I think, like I agree. I think Lux was more grounded. I think it would have been way more interesting to see her pivot from, let's call the police, let's do the, like, let's turn ourselves in to let's get on the road and run and, like, rob a bank and like whereas tricks that was kind of always not rob a bank rob a store whereas tricks that was always kind of her character and she was pretty static throughout like none of that was a big stretch for me with her I was like all right now we're doing this stupid idea that she came up with out of desperation Lux I was surprised when she was like yeah let's pretend to rob a store at gunpoint why not yeah so I think it would have been interesting, at least then we would have had real development of watching her downward spiral um, into what happens with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you, you go. Um, so then the other kind of piece that I also compared Trouble Girls to um, from They Never Learned, but also in general is unreliable narrators. Um, tricks so this is a quote from tricks it's you never know which nice projecting men might be actual shits so you go around assuming they all are and we talked about how this book is a hundred percent in her head and she's constantly dehumanizing situations she calls men hogs uh lizard lizzie she calls her mom a manatee at some point uh her boss man's a vulture um they even talk about how she has a filter on Lux, like where she 
is imagining their like chemistry or it's there, but she's like really amplifying it in her head. Um, and then later in the book, she starts seeing flashes of scales on her own body. So um, that was my other big problem with this. And I know how you feel about unreliable narrators. So how did that read for you or impact you while you read this? It's definitely not my favorite thing, but I got used to it more, I would say. And like, it stopped, like, it didn't end up taking, I don't think anything away necessarily, but it also didn't add to it. Like, it was fine. I didn't like, I liked the Hogman, honestly. I got used to that more than I liked a lot of the other things. And I liked, actually, her filter on Lux and some of the other things I thought were like, a cool not a cool perspective but like I don't know I didn't hate it um but I don't know some of the like like how her how she talked about Lizzie that was like weird the yeah. Lizzie Lizzie automatically assumed she like that was like right away that was weird and snakes she called people snakes yeah. like the Grimaldi's um I feel like that's just her way of justifying mm-hmm. um partly justifying her actions and also maybe like distancing herself yeah. And putting herself kind of above them which like again I mean I don't know kind of realistic for a teenager but also like kind of crazy way to think and it was weird so I don't know I don't know how I feel about it it wasn't it's just weird you just have to get used to it I think in this book and like I don't know well I agree like you have to get used to it to be able to keep reading it but like that it's the literal first sentence is like the diner was full of hogmen that day and I turned my phone off I was like I I don't know how I'm going to read this book and I got more used to it as it went on but then it begs to question like what do you actually believe so like I finished this and I um called my brother to like talk about it and I was like I don't actually know what in this book was real and what wasn't like at the end felt like a fever dream um 100% yeah I agree I like I don't even know if the end is like what actually happened and so there's all these people that they interact with and do we actually trust how their interactions went down because of how tricks truly believes everyone is out to get her she doesn't trust anyone except maybe Lux yeah well I also wonder like her relationship with Lux like is that really from like is her lens really reliable because I don't necessarily think so I don't either oh okay that's like one of the last questions but I want to get into it what do you think about their relationship I I it it felt weird to me I don't like, no, I almost feel like Lux seemed to be placating Trixie, like, throughout a lot of it. Yeah, she was very submissive. Um, her whole character was that she had pink hair and then black hair, and she carried a camera around that never ran out of film, um, like, ever, never once. So I thought it was really crazy that we jumped from Trixie constantly fantasizing about Lux 
to all of a sudden Lux looking at her and then kissing. I was like, yeah, I agree. What? Well, okay. There is a little bit. I, we're supposed to believe that Lux kissed that guy to make Trix jealous, I think. What, but the, the frat boy? Yeah. Grimaldi or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. So we are? Yeah. But mm-hmm. even I so, teenagers do that. I don't necessarily think that Trixie's view of it is reliable. Like, it just, right. I don't know. It doesn't seem like right to me. Right. I, I don't. I don't think so either. And you see so many times through Trixie's lens, and this is why I think it would be such a a way more interesting book to read it from Lux's perspective. Like when they're at that dinosaur theme park and Trixie's like, we're running out of money. And she's continuously let Lux buy all this stupid souvenir shit. shit. And then like, she tells her we're running out of money and Lux storms off and cries in the bathroom and then comes back and is like you need to treat me like an adult we're partners you need to be telling me what's happening you can't like sugarcoat this shit and I'm like I just feel like you might be doing that back a little bit to Trixie just to keep her I think Lex is afraid of Trixie just to keep her yeah like there's so many times where she walks out of the bathroom and Trixie Trixie is like screaming into a pillow or punching things or turning a room upside down looking for you know what I mean and or like in some kind of like trance trance yeah yeah where she's just staring at the road like not paying attention yeah I think Lux is afraid of Trixie and I do not believe I I wanted a sapphic romance so bad and I wanted it to be good and I just I don't I can't believe it yeah no I don't I honestly don't want to root for them yeah I mean I wanted to root for Lux turning them in. That's how I thought this book was going to end. Me too. And I honestly think that would have been a more satisfying ending. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, so, okay. So I did a lot of review digging on Goodreads and I found from Rainbow or Reads Rainbow, Charlotte, she left a Goodreads review and she had a great quote and her like star rating agreed with mine, but it said Trouble Girls is a book that feels mostly aesthetic and not much deeper. And I think that's so perfect for a book that is supposed to be such like a social commentary and like talks about all the hot button issues. I think it was very surface level and I don't think it's one that I'm going to like continuously think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and the things that I've kept thinking about, like God, when did I finally like start writing down the thing that every time this author brought something up to like make herself look woke, she brought up sundown towns. They were in somewhere in Texas, I think. I don't remember. And they were sitting in a diner and these um, motorcycle gang was sitting at the bar and they were yelling Islamophobic things at uh, the TV. And Lux goes, we're in a sundown town. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously, this is like, you're going to, this is the topic you want to bring up right now. I just once, literally once they talk about, oh, well, if we were black, this would be even so much worse. And they never mentioned that again. Literally, 
I, it made me mad the number of things that they, that the author brought up, like just it, to me, it felt like she was checking a box. Like, okay. I talked about uh, black lives matter. I talked about uh, gay pride. I talked about non-binary. I talked about is uh, Islamophobia in the United States. I'm talking about the Confederate flag. I, it, that, it felt like she was just going down a list um, to really like paint this really terrible, awful world. And then Again, it's Trixie's point of view, so we never see any of the good things, but it was all just so service level, so there wasn't even anything for these girls to learn from any of that. I feel like we've experienced this with a lot of books that try to talk about, I can't even think of like off my top of my head of another one, but I know we've talked about this before, where there are a lot of books that like talk about one social issue and they don't like they mention the intersectionality of it especially with feminism just yeah. once because they feel like they like have to get it in but like it's so surface level that it doesn't add anything it actually like highlights how not intersectional it is right and it like takes away from it yeah that's exactly what happened in this because it took me out of it took me out of the feeble plot every single time that one of those things came up and i just was like really what's the point and I feel like, you know, so many conservative people, adults right now are like, oh, well, people are just woke to be woke, which I fully disagree with in general. But I feel like some of these books, like they obviously this is not the intention of the author. But when you add things in like this, it like almost furthers that kind of argument. Right. She just needed, like I said, to check a box to look like she got all these topics in. I don't necessarily think that was her intention. I don't either. I don't think it was done well. It was not done well. It was not. So, and I don't know what would have been better. Like, so it was touted as a Me Too book, but I don't really even agree with that. Like. It talked about the issues, but I wouldn't say that like it did it in any type of like deep poignant way. Right. It's like, here's a problem in America right now and every single man is terrible. Like that's- They didn't even resolve anything with the university. They said she was like, oh, the the protests simmered down to just be between the intersectional feminists and the frat. Like that was the resolution of that. Like what? Like, and there's so many more interesting protests that happen on college campuses. Like the girl that carried her mattress around all semester, like- that doesn't have to be violent, that can be quiet, like that, but that's gonna garner news and be interesting and is gonna tell a better story than like people screaming at each other on TV on a college campus. Like, I don't know. I, I felt like it was lazy storytelling the way that she decided to incorporate that into Trixie and Lux's story. And again, I think when you're talking about these types of issues, you want to feel like something has changed and gotten right. better. And there's none of that in this book. No. Like, I yeah. think that's what boils down to my main criticism of this book. Yeah. There's no resolution for anything. Yeah. We had a chance at that when that cop showed up at the end and was like, "This, you're not the only one that this has happened to. I know what happened to you when you were eight. I can help you. And I get being afraid to talk to the police and I get being like not wanting to recount your story over like the trauma is is horrible but this is that was the point that I was like oh my god we're finally going to get some development out of this we're going to get some kind of a resolution 
And instead, I'm not even convinced that they weren't hallucinating the police officers. Oh that- my God. I was actually just about to tell you that. I'm like, I don't trust Trixie's perspective of that encounter. Right. I don't either. hundred percent. I, I was like, I think they died. I'm pretty sure they died. And I like reread it and like, well, the police show up, but we don't actually see them. We just hear a bunch of shouting and sirens, but that could totally be in their heads. Cause they're so paranoid about getting caught anyway. Yeah. And they're like starving and like pretending that they're at the ocean. Yeah. So yeah, the ending was, I mean, I don't mind like ambiguous endings, but I don't know. I still, I like, if it would have been okay if it was ambiguous of like, if they turned themselves in, like whether they believed them or not, you know, like that kind of ambiguous ending would have been cool, but like, I don't know. Or an ambiguous ending on if they're gonna, like, if they, if they go to the police and are they actually going to tell the truth or not? Like think of all of the stories they could have come up with on that freaking boring car ride that they could have like been coming up with the cover. Which would at least even been a little bit more taking responsibility for their actions. Right. Like even if they lied, you know, but like. They never wanted, Trixie especially never wanted to take responsibility for actions. She wanted to apologize to Lux over and over again for what she did to her. But that was not to make Lux feel better. It was to make Trixie feel better. And she was willing to drive into the desert and basically like kill them both. So dumb. Like. Uh, I had to go back. I'm like, wait, they're not even on a road. They're just in the desert. And so now they're finally camping. And first of all, they were planning on going on a camping trip and they took Diet Coke, a camera and some granola bar. Like I get their teenagers. I went camping and did stupid shit as a teenager. And I was smarter than bringing just Diet Coke to drink on that trip. Like so dumb oh my god the way they spent their money at the beginning I was like ladies so annoying and like two thousand dollars I mean I get that to a teenager that is in the rust belt in poverty like that's a lot of money but Lux I think actually came from money the way that they talk about her family and like her shiny pencil case and everything like so I you'd feel like she at least would understand that it's not that much money. Like she might not realize how quickly it goes when you spend it, but I wouldn't think that she would be like, oh my God, I could bathe in this. It's just so much, you know what I mean? So, well, is there anything else you want to say on that? No. So overall, if I had to like basically just say like one sentence about how I feel about this book, I think great promise, um, great premise, but it just it was so surface level and I think that's really just my main my main issue I'm with you I 100% agree well I'm glad so we might have had a little bit of differences in how we saw the characters but I think overall we kind of had the same like yeah you were more forgiving to teenagers than I am and that's just because I'm older than you and I hate get off my lawn that's how I am you're not going to be able to say this to me forever I mean yes like you're always gonna be three years older I'm always you. gonna be older than you Bailey you cannot you oh my god what <laughs> what's wrong with millennials um well do you know I was literally just kidding through all of that this is what's wrong with what generation are you Jen you're you're a zillennial well, I'm like on the yeah I'm on my cusp you're a zillennial all right this is what's wrong with zillennials they can't take a joke 
Well, that's because we get it on both ends. We get the millennial jokes and the Z jokes. No, I'm just teasing. Well, I wanted to talk about the comparison to Riverdale because I have thoughts on that, but I don't think we have time. So uh, no, go real quick because I've never I've only watched like the first season of Riverdale and I didn't really get the comparison. So please explain it for everybody that is seeing that and is like, oh, I want to read this. Riverdale lives in this weird little world where um, they have like modern conveniences like TV and stuff, but also it feels like kind of vintage. Um, Well, yeah, grungy, but also just like some of the things like the words and like, it seems like it could also be in the fifties. Like, it's just, it's like its own little weird vacuum of like timeless world. Um, And I think this had a bit of feel to that, especially in some of the interactions with like people they had. I'm like, is this, like 2020 or is this like the 60s um also just like Riverdale has the most batshit crazy writing and things that happen and so this just very much reminded me of that okay that's fair um I definitely like wouldn't have realized what era they were in except that they put their smartphones on the side of the road to like smash them so that's a good comparison and I'm glad I asked you to like explain that because I didn't really get it but I've only watched one episode of River or one season of Riverdale so yeah okay well overall um this was you know an okay book uh I would say you can read it but you don't have to yeah I would say don't go out of your way to read it but if you pick like find it like or if it sounds like super interesting to you like yeah read it I'm never going to tell somebody like not to read a book um but this isn't one that I'm going to be like, yeah, you have to read this book. So. And, but we still really, really appreciate getting copies of it. Yeah. And um, we gave our honest review, which is what they wanted. So it's perfect. Um, okay. Well, um, thank you guys so much for, for listening uh, to us talk about this book. Don't forget to give us a follow, a like, a subscribe, especially a review. If you could give us like a review, that would like personally make me smile so we just want to let you guys know about um a really exciting episode coming up um basically at the end of the month but we want to go ahead and give you guys a heads up because it's going to take a a bit more reading than normal if you want to be prepared so I'm so excited literally so excited we are each picked a fanfic they're both pretty lengthy but not like undoable we each picked a fanfic and we're gonna make each other read the other one and also have my roommates who are going to read them both so excited and um they've already read mine so they're really only having to read one yeah well Carly um she was on like one of our first episodes she'll be on it and my other roommate Emma they're both really great they have opinions about things so I think they'll be really good ones to talk about I'm excited so I picked for everybody to know for Bailey to read a Destiel fanfic, Cass and Dean from Supernatural, um, set in the Vietnam War era, I think. Um, Twist and Shout. I read it my sophomore year in college in one sitting and cried my eyes out the whole time. And that's all I really remember about it. Um, So I'm really excited to get roasted by (laughs) your roommates for liking it. Um, And which one am I reading for you? Um, well, we'll go ahead and post the links, but can they find it on fanfic.net or archive or both? I know it's on archive. Um, well, that's better than fanfic.net anyway. It used so to have its own website. website. So yeah. Well, mine is on archive. It is a Black Hill fanfic, which is um, 
Maria Hill in Black Widow or Natasha Romanoff from um, the Marvel movies, um, best ship ever that literally has no screen time together. So I don't know where people even came up with it, but I think it's maybe because they were the only women in the Avengers. Um, yeah, it's it's called The Devil's Keeper. Uh, it's on archive and we'll like go and post both of them on our Instagram. Maybe we'll do it on like a, I wish we could do swipe up, but you have to have 10,000 followers. For that. We're not anywhere close to that. Yeah. No. So um, maybe we'll like put it on our story and then archive it. Well, I don't know. We'll post it somewhere. We'll figure it out. But um, they're both on archive of our own. So Twist and Shout and The Devil's Keeper. Perfect. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Bailey and I agree, but also disagree today. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Everybody wish Bailey a happy birthday. She's an adult now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Cheers, friends.